Uni Taster Days proudly presents The Uni Guide. The Uni Guide. For parents and teachers. The guidance podcast you need to support students with university decisions. Hello listeners and welcome to the very first episode of the Uni Guide, the guidance podcast you need to support students with university decisions. I'm your host and producer Tim Rowe, a brief history of my credentials being 10 years working in or with universities, specifically in increasing access to universities to underrepresented groups of students, young and old, across the UK. I've also trained as a teacher. In this episode, we will be talking about the people who have the biggest influence on supporting young people with university decisions. Now, you might be a parent or a carer tuning in and thinking, well, I've never been to university before. What help can I be? Or you might be thinking, I went to university, but that was years ago. Surely my experience isn't relevant to today. Sometimes this hasn't been an uncommon response when I've worked with parents, carers and community groups over the years. But actually, it's the emotional support, just being there, the willingness to learn that is so key to ensure that children, that young people make the all-important informed choice if university is the right step for them. Whether you've been to university before or not, statistically, it is you, parents and carers, and your support that will have the biggest influence, closely followed by you teachers. Equally, you teachers out there, not forgetting the parents who are teachers as well, you do such an amazing job. We at The Unique Guide want to acknowledge this. We understand that everyone's under much more pressure than before. Also, it's good to acknowledge the fact that there's been so many changes from higher education, university, qualifications, careers, and the pathways and choices that are open to young people these days. That's why we've created The Unique Guide. So stay tuned as you're in the right place, as we share the most up-to-date information, advice, guidance from lived experience. People who have gone through the journey from all walks of life, Just as a quick note, these podcasts will typically form three parts. So in part one, there'll be an overview of the topic with evidence. Part two, we'll hear from the lived experiences of our guests who've gone through the university process themselves. And then finally in part three, we'll be providing you with advice, tips and resources you can take away and use. Before we get cracking with today's episode, let's meet some fantastic guests who are going to help us along our way. Introducing John Cheek, founder of Uni Taster Days. John, would you just like to give a bit of an intro to our listeners? Hi everyone, I'm John. I'm here from Uni Taster Days. I started Uni Taster Days back in 2012. And and basically the reason I did is is I'm a big advocate of university guidance. Basically, students having support in schools. And basically I started Uni Taster Days as a website that's going to help that be the link between schools and universities. Brilliant. Thanks, John. And we'll be getting to know you as the podcast goes on. I'm also pleased to welcome a colleague and friend of ours, Ant Sutcliffe. Welcome, Ant, to the Uni Guide. Hello, Tim. Hello, John. Uh, yeah, I'm Ant. Uh, so I look after Higher Horizons, which is a UniConnect partnership, but it's a government-funded university higher education outreach programme across England. We are one of 29 partnerships, and we work in schools, colleges, and welcome young people to our university campuses to create pathways for them into further education and ultimately onto higher education. And uh, we cover Staffordshire, uh, which is uh, where I'm based and where I'm from, uh, Cheshire and Shropshire. Okay, now we're all acquainted, let's have a bit of fun. Okay, gents, um, do you remember Family Fortunes TV show? Sure do, yeah, I remember it well. 
Yeah. Uh, fantastic. I'm just going to squeeze into my uh, sequin jacket. Uh, we've asked 100 students in the first year of university who were the most important people or the most influential people that helped support them on to university. And we've broke the bank, obviously, because it's our first show. If you can get the top answer, you will, you'll be playing for... Kit Kat Chunky. Other chocolate bars are available. Are you up for this? Are you ready? Would you like to take part? I'm ready, Tim. Yeah. It's family fortunes. So we are students who was the most influential people to help them into university. What do you think were the top ones? I'll let you go first, Dan. <laughs> Listeners, please play along. I will say teachers. Teachers, okay. First, let's see if that's the correct answer, and then we'll see if it was a top answer. That was our second second top answer, but brilliant answer. That's great. So teachers came in at 24%. Bearing in mind, obviously, that's a, a quarter of many other options as well. John, what do you think? Could you get our top answer? I think, yeah, well, I look back at my own experience, and, and I think, oh, uh, I'd... I was going to say family members, but I could probably, I'll, I'll go, but well, I think that's probably too, well. I'll, I'll go, oh. You can do this. Just forget about the prize. Forget about that Kit Kat and uh, focus. Parents. Okay, parents it is. <laughs> so it'd be parents and carers at 53%. So that's fantastic. You got the top answer there. <laughs> that, and what, what do you think? I think I'm a bit torn here. Look, think of my own experience, I'll probably say, I would say, partners or peers possibly but I'd, i've got to give my uh, i've got to put my professional hat on and say people like us the people that are around the young people who are not teachers um, but the people that maybe advise them in a way uh, a path that they may wish to choose yes another correct answer there so i'm going to pass it on to john what do you think there's a few more yet to get I think I know a crowbar on ants because it, 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 I, I was the same. So um, now I went to university with my wife. She's a year younger than me. So I, I took a gap year so we could get to go to university together in that suite, Tim. And, um, but if she said she wasn't going to go to university, I probably wouldn't have gone to university. So, so I'd say uh, friends, partner. Yeah, so it's probably that age, uh, friends. We include girlfriends there. Very romantic, John, of you there. Brilliant. Uh, there are a few others that have not been said. Uh, we've got less of the percentages. Um, and there's three more. Anybody else would like to have a stab at these? I think I'm pretty much out of ideas. Is it wrong that I'm glad I got to use that buzzer? John, that leaves you. Uh, I would go... I think um, employers. Okay, employers. Our survey said... Yep, well played. Employers was one along with the media and other role models. Actually, celebrities were on there. That's just a little bit of fun to get us warmed up and thinking and reflecting. Um, yeah, so obviously parents, carers, and, and then teachers, you have the biggest um, impact there. So those findings were based on a report from AlterLine, which we'll be sharing at the end of the, of the podcast. And I just wondered if you could share with the audience um, uh, a little bit of your, your story of how you got into into maybe university uh, yourself and maybe some of the people that kind of helped make that happen. 
Yeah, well, I, I was first first in my family to go to university. I grew up in the fantastic city of Stoke-on-Trent. It's my home. It's a great place to live and it's a great place to to set up your family. We get a terrible rep in Stoke. And it's true that we need we need help from the, from the government and we'll see what levelling up means or doesn't mean. We may, we may touch on that today. My mum and dad split up when I was four. So I moved in um, with my mum into my nan and granddad's house. And a good child and a good, good upbringing. My granddad was a miner. Then latterly, he worked um, in a dairy factory. Um, and my nan worked on the, uh, the counter in the co-op down the road. Went to local infant junior school and uh, in a local comp. So back then, was university ever on your radar, Ant? And yeah, it was never expected for me to go to university. I didn't really enjoy school. I didn't dislike it, but I'd prefer not to be there. And I'd often find myself not there as well. Uh, but, you know, I was lucky that in those days, under a, a previous, previous, previous government, I guess now it, it was a, a, the Labour government, that there was good type of provision. So I was given a connections advisor who, who I believe is still active in, in um, careers and HE advice. Fantastic woman called Sally Peterson. And a big shout out to Sally if she's listening, who I met with every week. And the advice that she gave me, which has always stuck with me and something we tell our young people now, is that if if you feel that you that school isn't for you and, and you you're going off the rails a little bit, just remember that if you get a level five now, but if you get a grade five, but in those days a C or above in maths and English, at least that's going to be a key to open doors, whatever you go on to do. And that that was some advice that really stuck with me. So when I finished school, I'd, I'd been suspended a number of times. And the third time I was suspended um, in year 11, had a year, I'd me and a number of other lads in an East, at Easter and said, Luke, can't keep doing this it's an important year you're affecting other people in your class um so after these to break you you're not to come back to school there's a bunch of revision that will give you that you can work through you're welcome to come back for your exams um but that was that um right i'm interested to hear how the the younger aunt took that news then fantastic news for me that was great thinking that april that was that I didn't go after didn't have to go back to school we did go back in for the last day and we had some fun there, I can tell you that. <laughs> it wasn't looking back, it wasn't great, but I did I did manage to get my maths. I got a C in maths, I got a C in English, I got a C in PE, and I got a C in uh, RE. And that was that. I flunked the rest. Wasn't allowed to go back to the sixth form at that school, um, but I'd been with uh, my girlfriend, now wife, um, since I was 14. She went to a different school. And she said, why don't you come and see if the sixth form where she she went would, would have you? So I did that and then I messed about really. Got a job packing potatoes at the fruit and veg warehouse and spent all my wages really as a 16-year-old, 16, 17-year-old lad, as you did, straight in the pub after with the older, the older blokes. And I did that for 12 months. So what was the moment when things changed for you? So I think it was probably like, you know, four o'clock on a, December morning in Tunstall in, in Stoke and I thought well, I can't do this for the rest of my life so I decided to to get back in touch with Kids Grow Six Form saying I'm sorry I know that I messed about a bit last year but I, I need to get back into education and I think you know what a great place that 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 Six Form was and probably a little bit of a different attitude from my my original school because they said it's fine come back 
eventually I did A-levels that actually suited me. Did okay, got three Cs, applied for a place at, at, at Keele and went on and, and did uh, did my degree at Keele and graduated from there in 2008. And, you know, they're one of the proudest things in, in my life, I think, was, was my granddad seeing me graduate. He died um, exactly 12 months after I graduated. That's great. You got to see you graduate. And uh, can you tell us a bit about your granddad? He's obviously a positive figure in your life. Granddad was just a great bloke. He could read. He read. He was. He read a number of of books, political books, Steinbeck and 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 beat poetry and that sort of stuff. But he, he he never really mastered how to write. He went down the pit when he was fourteen. And I did a lot of growing up with my granddad. So, and he was a real believer in in education. Really encouraged me to get as much education. So I know that when I was dropping out, he he was sort of thinking, "You can do better than this, son." But like a lot of lads that age, I thought, well, I'm going to be a footballer, so it don't matter. And I wasn't, of course. Thanks for sharing them. Um, you mentioned that, you know, we teachers would be more familiar with this term than parents, perhaps first generation. So first in your family to go to go on to university and some of our listeners will that will apply to them. So in terms of like what, what other kind of qualities do you think those other people gave in terms of support and in, in terms of you going to going through higher education, despite some of the challenges that you faced? We've we've just been saying before we feel a little bit old because it's 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 yours and mine certainly Tim and I think John's just a little bit older. It's twenty years, twenty years exactly since we left school, high school in year eleven. And I think the first thing, having been involved in education professionally, certainly in my career that, that that came subsequently, I think the first thing to mention is that schools and teaching has changed dramatically in twenty years. And when I look back at some of the teachers that I had. 20, 25 years ago, and I don't mind saying this, and, and in fact, I met, met up with a fantastic teacher at, at an event the other week, Simon Bullock, who was, a, who was a great, great man and a great form teacher. And we were discussing this and saying that 25 years ago, teachers, I think teachers now, our generation, our generation of, of teachers have certainly got more understanding of what it means to progress through further and higher education. They certainly got more support and I think the pedagogy, the way they teach, and the understanding of how young people from backgrounds like mine, we're class backgrounds, how teaching has to evolve and be taught differently. Another thing, I'm chair of governors um, at a local school as well, and one thing I always do say to, to the staff, and it's a challenging school, it's a fantastic school, is that, you know, supporting the community is so important because in in schools we have we have the children for six hours a day the vast majority of the time they're with the the mums the dads the, the the adults in the house the grandparents the aunties the uncles and so the influence of of parents is 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 massive and we got to work with our communities this term hard to reach you know i just think it's i think it's nonsense really Absolutely. The kids that I we work with, they're not hard to reach. I wasn't hard to reach. You knew exactly where I was going to be on a Friday night after school. So it's about building those relationships with the communities and schools and parents and communities working working together with an understanding and no looking down or judging that this young person is from this background, so this will be their life journey. Those days have gone. And um, thank you so much. I. I... I know you pretty well, and, and a lot of that is completely new to me. I didn't realise you, know, you, you met Haley really young, and and also to be honest, you, you, a lot of the things you said I can relate to really closely because actually it's very similar to kind of myself and 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 how I've essentially got to this point. So you, 
and my wife now Laura we met at 15 then went to university together just like you and Hayley did and the thing I kind of wanted to touch on I've in terms of my influences I've got two sisters and and they've always been very academic they've always done exceptionally well whereas you know in terms of grades much better than I ever did and, and I I'm pretty sure now looking back that the only reason I ultimately went to university and I had a great time at university is because my two sisters went and and actually, I think that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate now about uni taste days and university guidance in schools, because I don't but I don't ever recall anyone from a university coming in to speak to us. Um, if they did, perhaps you know, it's a day that, that I can't, I didn't go in. And I think it's so, you know, in terms of this podcast, one thing we're really passionate on is, is just you know, raising awareness of, of things like university for you know, parents, teachers, sisters, brothers, family members, grandparents, whoever it, it might be. And, but just as a, as a link to a lot of the things you said. I always remember my kind of university journey was essentially a conversation with my head of sixth form. And I can remember now it's going back 37 now, so it's going back a few years. But the, I said, basically, I want to go to uni because my two sisters have, but I don't know what course I want to do. And literally, he, he opened up this big journal and said, I can remember the words to this day. He said, John, the two up and coming areas in, 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 in your career, well, in careers in general, are human resources and business law. <laughs> and I went away then. And found a joint combined course in business law and human resources and picked that degree in it and i think it just shows you how powerful influencers whoever that influences influencer might be i was lucky that Haley, my girlfriend her dad was a professional footballer and when he came back from playing he played he played in england went to australia to play came back he set up a business and did did, did well and Probably there was an expectation from Haley as the youngest, her older sister had gone into university. There was probably an expectation that Haley, culturally, I guess, would go to university. I, I don't think there was necessarily an expectation that I would. In fact, I'd certainly say that there, there wasn't an expectation. I was the eldest of, of four from, from different marriages. I've got two fantastic sisters and a, and a brother, but different mums and dads and, you know, that, and I'm really, really proud that all three of them have gone on to university and sort of followed in my footsteps. I think I probably took some of this, again, to use a horrendous phrase, some of the cultural capital from Haley, where it's just an expectation that she'd go. And I guess Haley and some of the advisors around me, people like the Connections Advisors, one or two good teachers, would say, you can, you can do this. Of course, you go to university. Your, your grades aren't great, but you can do. But... For me, I think, as I say, um, a little bit of a realisation that I couldn't pack taters for the rest of my life. Uh, a realisation that my girlfriend, who I loved and still love, love deeply, we've got two kids together now and married for 11 years, was going to go off and go to university. And I think a realisation that that would probably take her in a different path. Would she want to be with somebody who packed taters? I don't know, maybe she would, but I probably felt that I would lose her. So as Ant's story showed us, and perhaps a little bit about my story as well, the importance you have as listener, whether that's as a parent, as a teacher, as a grandparent, or anyone else, is absolutely huge. Yeah, although sometimes it might not feel like it, despite the teenage hormones, the battle for self-independence, identity, and all the conflicts that you might have, which is all part of growing up, the chances are that a young person needs you more than they're willing to admit to. Join us after this short break, and we'll be joining you shortly in part two, where we'll be finding out more from students who are at university or have just graduated from university. John, do you mind taking the bass and I'll take the drums and you take the cymbals.
Okay, welcome back to part two of the uni guide. John, I want to ask you, um, the teenage you, cast your mind back, were you fully appreciative and thankful for all the people that helped you get to university? No, definitely not, Tim. And, and to be honest, I, I, I saw my teacher, in a, one of my teachers actually, I'd really warmed to in a completely different capacity. They were working somewhere else. And, and Cheek as a surname is, is probably a name that jumps out. So she said, basically, I saw your name and, and remembered you from 15, 20 years ago. And we had a good chat and basically I just said, thank you. And, and you know, thank you for so much for, for everything you did. Because I, I think it's fair to say at the time you don't appreciate it. And, and the next time actually I, I dropped in a card just, and I, I thought if, if actually, if loads of people do that, it will make teachers you know feel so, I don't know, so appreciated is probably the wrong word. But I think one of the concerns is at the time you just, I would just go into school. I'd be one of the annoying ones that probably made their lives more difficult than than it had to be. Cheek by name, cheeky by nature, I can imagine. And how about you, looking back? Well, I had a handful of fantastic teachers who don't didn't realise at the time, and like John's just said there, probably don't realise now until maybe you bump into them and you say to them, "You really affected my life positively." and a few things and you remember I remember things he would have said at the time which they just won't they haven't got a clue it's something they said 23 years ago for goodness sake but when I say to him you can see him and they sometimes might, might, might get a little bit teary and that's the sort of influence that teachers can have. As Ant pointed out we are quite old it's been a while since we went to university um, so that gives us the perfect opportunity to introduce you um, to our student voices so this is going to be a nice feature on our podcast fresh-faced young people who have gone through the university process or are still going through the university their courses right now and studying so really pleased to welcome um, our first student voice which will be Nuku. Nuku welcome to um, the uni guide just give our listeners a little bit of an introduction to yourself and I know you've got a story that you want to share we'd love to hear it. Hello my name is Nuku Samavi. I am 23 years old and I'm from Aberdeen. I have recently finished studying film and television production and I would like to share a few examples from my experience in university and just how I've learned from my university experience. Great to have you on board, Nuku. Can you give us an example of when a parent or carer or a teacher helped you? I've been blessed with that. I've had teachers that have pushed me. I've had parents that have pushed me. I've had sports coaches. So, for instance, when I did music, Sometimes my music teacher was on my case because I wasn't putting in the effort that I needed to. And sometimes I'd just be like, oh, why is he always on me? But like looking back at it, I realised he was doing it because he saw the potential I had and he realised that I wasn't working hard enough to reach that. So that's why he was on my case. Same thing with my, my, you know, my parents. They were always pushing me to say like, yeah, you're good. Like you may not be as talented as everyone else, but you don't realise how good you can be for just push yourself. So keep pushing. That's why they say, like, you know, strive for the best. You know, just keep striving. Thanks, Nuku. Uh, didn't you have a story? You're a keen basketball player, weren't you? Very talented basketball player. Can you just give us a bit of an insight there? When I first came to basketball, I couldn't score a layup to save my life. But I had the potential. Like, I was tall. I was, you know, I was quite athletic. I was generally good at dribbling. I was good at everything. I just couldn't finish. So my coach literally one session just gave me the ball just made me lay up the whole session basically and it was annoying but eventually I got to the point where I just kept scoring and then at the end of the season I was player of the year we won the trophy and everything and like I look I always look back to that and think like 
you know, if you just push past what you think your limit is, you can do whatever. And I think that can go hand in hand with university. Like, if you push past the idea that, oh, I don't get these sort of grades that I can go, or oh, I'm not from university family. If you have people around you that they just, they just say like, no, like push past your limits and you'll be surprised what you can do. I think that is so, so important when making a decision for university and just being a support, like even during university, just being like, oh, this dissertation may be a hard push through. So that is so, so important, I feel like. Firstly, Niku, thank you very much for sharing. Thanks, that was a great example there when you lay up with your basketball. Next, we have Leah. Leah, welcome to the Uni Guide. Hiya. Leah, just please uh, give a short introduction to our, our listeners and if you want to share anything, please do. My name's Leah. I'm a third year, almost fourth year medical student studying at the University of Sheffield. I'm going to provide you with my lived experience of going through the university process as an undergraduate student studying at university. One thing I'd like to share is that I'm a first generation student into uni, so neither of my parents went. I'm looking forward to sharing my experiences on here to help others. Thanks, Leah, so much. Uh, as with Nuku, it'd be great to learn more about your experiences as we go through this series. How about you give us an example from a parent or carer point of view? One of the biggest things I think a parent can do supporting their student through the university process is just to listen. Now, I know this sounds a bit vague, but what I mean by that is just your child or the child in your care is going to be going through quite a stressful time. It's quite an overwhelming time. There's a lot of change, there's a lot going on. And the application to uni can be quite daunting. So I think just being an ear for them to sit down to talk about their stresses. And one of the biggest things I'd say is get them to go through the process with you. Get them to sit down and explain how do they have to apply to uni? What unis do they want to look at? How can you be a support to them? I think that can be really encouraging for the student. It can push them to work harder because they know they've got the support of you there. And that is one of the biggest advice I can say for parents. We're not expecting you to know the ins and outs because we hardly know it ourselves as students. But I think just to listen, to assure them and to be there for them every step of the way to try and get an understanding if you can. I think that can be so beneficial. And also making sure that as the parent, you're taking that time to look after the student's mental well-being to make sure that they're not overexerting themselves i think that's also really important as well but yeah like i said one of the biggest things you can do is just be an ear for them listen support them and it will make the process a lot easier for them thank you nuku and thank you leah for sharing that some fantastic advice and experiences there you guys can definitely come back and we've also got two or three more student voices that will be appearing on various different episodes as this series goes on I was just going to ask you both if you could come up each with a, a definition of supporter. Stories come across my desk today, uh, which brought a tear to my eye that we that there's a that there's a young woman that we've been working with, High Horizons. She's uh, a young woman, one of nine children, from a, a council estate just up the road from us in Cheshire. Single mum, mixed race family, was diagnosed in year eleven with schizophrenia. Meant that she struggled at home, spent time in care, um, had to repeat year 11, went on and did a level two painting and decorating course at the college. And the teacher recognised that she could do academically, she could do better. She was very intelligent and she could do what she wanted. One person who I believe in who saw this reached out to us at High Rise and said, will you please come and support this, this young lady? She's fantastic. 
that's what we're there for. We put a program in, uh, weekly mentoring, a whole host of different things, campus visits, and we've worked with it for a good 18 months, two years. Yeah, and a big shout out to Jess at High Horizons, who was directly involved in that process. And found out today, absolutely chuffed that she's just been accepted into a Russell Group University, where she'll start this autumn doing medical engineering. That's all come from one teacher who said, you could do something a little bit better than painting and decorating, so I'm going to help you. And that one person will change their life completely. And as, as, as we've spoken about then, how many lives will will that young person go on to change yourself? That's, that is the power of education and the power of what teachers and support groups around young people can bring. That's an amazing story. The hairs on the back of my neck are up and tingling listen to that. Brilliant. And that, that's an example that's landed today. You know, you know, it's not something I reel out. That sort of stuff's happening all over the country all the time. How nice is, is that, Tim? Like, I, honestly, mm. I, I had a massive grin on my face just listening to that story. And I, I think that it's just so powerful. And, and I know there's, there's various reasons why with, with data-driven in loads of ways, and, and there's lots of reasons why we are so. But it's a conversation she has with other people and, and you know, she's got brothers or sisters, people that she's going to influence. And yeah, I just, it's, that's so powerful. And I'd, I'd, I'd say we keep on talking about teachers, careers, colleagues, parents. It's all about influence. But when I was younger, one of the struggles I had at school was I literally just wouldn't keep still. And I'm a little bit like that now. I'm, I'm not very good at staying in one place. And, and linking to definitions of supporters, I always remember that my mum had a phone call to say that, that in equivalent ways, but not probably this, this extreme, to say that, that I was being rude. And, and so a, a particular teacher had a particular issue with me. And, and I can see from their perspective, it's what I was doing was, was wrong. You know, you can't just, if, if, if a class is going on, you can't just walk off. That's, but basically my mum, my said he's not rude he's just not very good at keeping still and and she volunteered to help at the school I don't know how many hours a week but she purely did that to be there so that when I did it she could explain to me that that you can't do that again and and also explain to teachers that that's just the way he is and we we, we're addressing it and and I think in terms of supporters it it can be literally anyone that's that's gonna gonna have an influence and I think parents in our communities get such an unfair and bad rep and you know, I've not mentioned my own mum and dad. They, they, was, they were divorced. I saw my dad. My dad took me stoke on a Saturday. And my mum was a, did a fantastic job. And my biggest supporters, and still are, and like lots of the parents we work with now, 100% want the best for their kids. But, is, you know, is my, with my mum and dad in a position to, you know, navigate the relatively new online UCAS application system in in the mid 2000s and understand what it was and like no that doesn't mean they don't want the best for the kids there's some fantastic parents we work with who just completely not to believe that university isn't the best for their child it might not be as well you know it might might not be the best for the child but what is best for the child is, is just making sure that there's people like us there and like there for the for the young woman that we've just been speaking about who we've been working with to give them the same chance as their middle class peers 100 percent agree there brilliant stuff and thank you for sharing again completely agree um yeah thanks so much for sharing and like some some parents and guardians you, you are probably of the opinion that that university is not for the for for their you know son daughter and and that is their opinion and, and, and obviously they're entitled to that but but actually it kind of i think sometimes it works the other way as well and i've worked with you know going back to when i was working at universities you used to have like careers fairs and and sometimes parents would go to them and and again I'm not saying parents shouldn't go to them but but they'll go to them and, and do a lot of talking for the for the for the per, the young person and 
and almost you can you can always see the conversation happening where they would come up and, he, and they'd say you know little jimmy wants to do law and you can tell little jimmy doesn't want to do law but the parent want, wants them to do it i think something that we've got wrong in this country for many years is our inability from successive governments to create true parity of esteem between academic routes and further education and higher education and vocational routes through further education and then subsequently higher education. And I think they, everything that you've spoken about there would become far easier if there were clear pathways. But in my time working in education, we've had 14 to 19 diplomas, higher national diploma. We've then had BTECs. Um, we've now seen the defunding of many of the BTECs and the introduction of T-levels. We've always had the steady stream on the other side, the academic side of, of A-levels. But I think the pure confusion around what, what does a vocational route look like, it's further education and then into higher education. And I've not even mentioned degree and higher level apprenticeships and all of this. Stay tuned, listeners. We will be covering them, don't worry. What chance do we have as educationalists to get, get your head around all this and advise young people what chance do the teachers and, and the young people themselves have and then what on earth sort of chance do the parents have that brings us to the end of part two join us shortly after this quick break for part three as we'll be looking into some resources hints and tips for further discussion <laughs> Welcome back to part three of the first episode of the Uli Guide. First, I'm going to spark off a few bits of discussion and then see what you guys think. And then we're going to round off with bits of advice and uh, hints and tips from all everybody involved today. A report completed in January 19 and 21 by Alterline surveyed over 2,500 parents and carers of 16 to 18 year olds across the UK. So there's no messing about there. And they also did a report with teachers and surveyed over 500. This was completed in 2020. I'm just gonna go straight to the findings here. 53% of parents felt they had enough knowledge about you know, appropriate university qualifications when giving advice to their child. Also, another finding was parents and carers did not want to be seen as influencers or deciders when they were having an impact on decisions being made by their child. Interestingly, the parents saw themselves as supporters, advisors, assisters, not decision makers. Interestingly, other key findings were 38% of um, teachers said that they did not have enough information and knowledge available about how student finance actually works to advise young people. So there's just some, some sort of discussion pointers, lads, uh, we can talk about. Uh, anything you want to kind of pick up on then? The world moves on all the time. Parents have often, understandably only got their own personal experience to lean on. It's it's a fact which we hear all the time in our line of work that the young people that are in secondary education now, in further education, and actually in starting their higher education journey, will spend the their, will get their first job at their first career working in a job that doesn't exist yet. But then on the other hand, we have government saying you know, that universities uh, and teachers and advisors should be advising our young people to take degrees that will get them a job straight after university and become graduate earners straight away. It's pretty hard to do that, to educate our young people for jobs that we don't know as educationalists 
are going to exist. What we can do is, is provide those young people with the skills to, to have confidence, to be intelligent, to be punctual, to, to think for themselves and to go out there and, and, and be the best yeah, I think that was a skills, national skills strategy of 2017. It's a bit nerdy of me, but like, I think it, like you rightly said, it said like in a 50% of all jobs will require higher qualification. Um, so that's level four plus and obviously higher skills within that. I read a report recently and it's, it's very much of a similar tone to yours. It basically said, what is stopping you from becoming the next success story? And it was saying that all these companies didn't exist in 2007. So you had like you know, Instagram, Uber, WhatsApp, stuff we do, iPads, you know, 4G. Yeah, Twitter. 2007, I know, might be 15 years ago, but these these companies have, have come from absolutely nothing and now are, are, it's just a huge part of, of everyone's life. And But linked to that, there was the Open University have, they do research looking at, at jobs that need plugging. So where they see the skills gap of the future. If I if I touch on what they considered their panel consisted that considered the top five future jobs would be, go ahead, John, give us the five. Number one, sustainability officer. Number two, artificial intelligence developer. Number three, digital content strategist. Number four, this is an interesting one. This this one I had to Google to have a look, look what this meant. Number four, cyber security penetration expert. Number five, renewables engineer. How many of those do we know what they are and and what you need to get to them? Okay. Any comments on kind of different vocational routes, different different pathways here, um, getting people to discuss university as a topic? It reminds me of a programme we did about five years ago now. We noticed in some of the evaluative findings that young people were telling us that consistently they were saying, they were answering the question, have you ever met anybody who's been to university? They were answering that question, no. The majority of the young people we're working with. So we did a programme where we basically sent maps into all of our schools with little sticky labels and asked the teachers just to stick on where in the country they went to university twice, got an undergraduate degree and got the PGCE. Because we just wanted to sort of say to, say to the young people, you, have, you, you, meet, you meet loads of people every single day of your lives who've been to university, all your teachers have been to university. And this is not a swipe at, at teachers whatsoever, but you know, I would urge teachers to, to talk about their own experiences of university and normalise it for young people. But this programme was cheap and effective and it was ace and we had a competition. You've got the best selfie with their poster and all that kind of stuff. And the kids, I think, were genuinely shocked. These posters look great because you've got, what, 40 teachers in a school like here in Durham and Bristol and Sheffield. And, and all of a sudden there's a bit of a conversation in school with the with the kids and of course we encouraged the teachers to post their stick their graduation photos up which the kids thought was brilliant something dead simple like that of teachers just maybe talking about their experiences can really maybe just normalize our education at university for, for the kids we work with in in some of the challenging areas that we work yeah literally put your journey on the map what about the fact that they found uh, the parents use language they wanted to describe themselves as assisters and supporters rather than decision-makers. Any thoughts on that? I, th I think that's really encouraging. And um, I would I would empathise with that as a parent myself. Um, I think we'd all like to think with that, whether we are or not. I think parents want the best for their, for their kids, absolutely. But I think we all need to acknowledge sometimes that the world moves on. And it, it sort of reminds me of an example, a dead quick example, in Stoke-on-Trent, one of our big employees for many years has been Michelin Tyres down in Stoke Town. They're a great company to work for. You go, you get your apprentice, 
championship when you're 16, which is completely different from what an apprenticeship means now. And you work up and it's a great company, become a top engineer and earn good money and they look after you. And we did some work with the Mitch to advise some of our young people. And this, it really stuck with me that one of the, somebody in their HR outreach type of team, they said that out of something like out of 28 roles that we advertised last year, 50% of them demanded a, a, at least an A-level in French language because the main office is in Marseille, I think, and they needed to speak French. And I think getting that message across like to parents saying, going and work at the Mitch isn't what it used to be. But actually, if your young person wants to do what you achieved 40 years ago, they're going to need a little bit of level four, five, six qualifications behind them. Yeah, some brilliant points there. How about stuff like finance, repayments, loans, that kind of thing? Should we touch on that? But I do, I do think one simple thing that government could do is to just rebrand the student loan as what it is, a student tax. I think parents would feel a little bit more comfortable with that. We know that you have to be earning a certain amount, and uh, I say that because it changes regularly, and I don't know when this will be aired, but you need to be earning a certain amount, and you'll repay a certain percentage of that back monthly in exactly the same way as the tax system works for income tax. Yeah, if you want any more information on that, uh, Martin Lewis is a good place to to, to look. Kind of one bugbear that, that I suppose I've got, and is I think what sometimes people miss actually is 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 finance is of course a barrier and, and there needs to be more far 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 more information about student finance. I completely agree with Ant when he you know, Ant makes a great point about graduate tax. Completely agree with you, Tim, when you made the great point about the fantastic Martin Lewis. But actually, what I I touch on loads is is in terms of university participation and decisions. I just think it's time. Like time time is something that that that, that students can't get back. Then students might make money and they might pay off their student loans and they might not. And and you know, they only have a certain amount of period of time to repay it. And again, this isn't the time to, to go through it. But but actually one of the things that whenever I'm speaking to students and parents is 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 I try and stress them is is these decisions you make are so important. Like if you're gonna to go to university, picking a subject you enjoy, so important. Picking a to study in a place that's right for you. And I think it's sometimes missed going back to the system that, that Anne was talking about. What what actually we, we don't do so well is actually talk about the, the wider implications. And and actually the students that go to university after 2012, their university fees are more expensive, but the repayment thresholds, how much students need to earn, massively increased. So so students then had to earn £25,000, £27,000, which £21,000, depending on the, the system they're on. But actually before that, it was a lot less. So you could find that someone's on you know, a salary of £25,000 or £30,000, but they've borrowed less money, but actually their repayments are more. And it's, it, it blows your mind a little bit if you think of it that way. But but we don't tell students that. I pretty much guarantee that the leading question I get from teachers after I do a student finance session is, "You've well, John, you've gone through all those repayment amounts, but how come I'm paying more off of my student loan? Mm. Because they don't realise it. Yeah, I'm just going to touch on repayment, uh, a little bit of student finance, really lightly, with a nice kind of example to take away for everyone, to see how you can work out repayments and start talking about these things, making it fun and practical. So, for the purpose of this exercise, we're just going to use what graduates currently pay. So, the threshold at the moment is £27,295. But just to note, this is expected to change for students starting university in September 2023 onwards to £25,000. 
We're going to cover student finance in the next podcast where we're going to go through more information on it and how it works, how repayments work, etc. But just to be super clear, it's £25,000 for students starting university in 2023 onwards they need to earn before they start paying back their student loans. Great points, John. Uh, let's get on with this exercise then. Okay, uh, we'll take that £27,295 threshold. So for argument's sake, this this student, you can you name the job, you you name the salary, but for this instance, we're going to use £28,000 because they're earning over the threshold. Now I'm going to pose to you the all-important question, how much does a graduate earning £28,000 pay back a month to the student loan company? I'll give you a few seconds to think about that, shout it out or in your mind. You know, when I've done this exercise before, typically you'll get all sorts of different responses, high and low, 50, 100, 150, 250, 300. The point here is getting people engaged and feeling comfortable to just to chip in. Now I'm going to tell you what they actually pay. That's £5.29. Now you might be saying, Tim, how did you get to that figure, £5.29? Well, I'm going to show you how you do that. So grab your phone, your calculator, pen and paper, whatever you want to do. £28,000 is the graduate salary, as we know. You minus the threshold, as we've said, £27,295. This then gives you a difference. That difference is £705. That £705, we're going to times by 0.09. Why are we doing that? As Ant rightly pointed out, it should be seen as a tax. That tax is 9%. The tax that you pay, the difference between your salary and the threshold. You get that figure, you should be getting 63.45. And then essentially, what you're going to do then is divide that by 12. You round that up to get the £5.29. Then you throw it back to them and say, right, this is the figure. What are you going to spend that money on? Is it a coffee and a cake? Is it a Big Mac meal? Is it a subscription to a website? You decide. It's just making it practical and making it fun. I could not agree with you more. Number one, make it fun. And number two, make it practical. And, and you touch on it so well. Like you said, Tim, students have not got a clue. How many students know that if they earn £20,000, their repayment will be zero? They don't know. And therefore, they hear university is expensive. On the face of it, it is expensive. You know, it's not go down that route, that argument and stuff. And you just need to make it practical. I think collectively, we could just take a few minutes to reflect on what we've all been through uh, together, really, with COVID-19. So we've, we've lost loved ones, friends, colleagues, jobs, businesses. We've had schools close, works closed, people working from home, all sorts of chaos that's been going on. And I'm sure so many parents and carers have a, a much further understanding of the incredible work our teachers and educators do. From their experience in you know, things like homeschooling, you're both educators and you're both, you're both parents. So what was your kind of experiences like? I was my homeschooling experience as a parent. Horrendous, yeah. <laughs> really bad. Reminded me that even as an educationalist, I couldn't be a teacher. And every teacher has got had my respect before, but they've got my ultimate respect now. Respect, uh, massive respect to the parents that went through it. Very similar to Anne. Huge respect for teachers. Um, I found homeschooling, if I'm honest, really frustrating. Really, really frustrating. I'm, I thought I was a pretty patient person, but but trying to homeschool my six-year-old showed me I'm, I'm not a patient person whatsoever. Does anyone want to share any final points before we close? Just really to, to reinforce how important supporters, influencers are in the process. It's so important that, that as supporters, whoever you might be, you find out the key information about university and that's what this podcast is all about and that's what you know, Tim and I will try to do with, with each episode. And I go back to the old phrase that it takes a village to raise a child. 
young people are influenced all the time. It's our job to make sure that those influences are positive and good. And I will finish by saying it is government's job to make sure that those supporters are fully funded and allow us as educationalists to carry on doing our job. Please allow us to carry on supporting our fantastic young people because they will pay you back tenfold. Powerful words there of Mr Ant Sockliffe. Thank you so much for taking part in this and sharing everything you have. John, tell our listeners about the free resources that Uni Taste Days have created. So every year at Uni Taste Days, we produce a teacher's guide to university brochure. That's just unitastedays.com forward slash teachers if you'd like to get a copy. And that's at unitastedays.com forward slash teachers. But then also for parents, this year for the first time ever, we've produced a parent's guide to university as well. And that can be downloaded without any registration whatsoever. And it's completely free at unitasterdays.com forward slash parents. And that completes our first episode of the Uni Guide. Join us next time as we've got another dedicated episode to everything student finance related in plain English with no jargon. Catch you next time. You've been listening to the Uni Guide, the guidance podcast you need to support students with university decisions. If you have any comments, suggestions to ask a question or absolutely anything else, do contact us using info at unitasterdays.com. Stay tuned, like and share, and as always, take care. This podcast was produced by Tim Rowe for Unitaster Days.